Okay, so the first question is always the worst one for any fan of any artist to answer. If hand up your back, you have to choose which is your favorite Tom Petty album. Yeah, man, this is a terrible question. Um, <laughs> they get worse. I know. Uh, so the first thing I want to say is that one of my, an album I've listened to more than any other, except for the one that I wrote about is Long After Dark. And I think it's an unfairly dismissed record. I think that it's a little stiff and a lot of it sounds alike, but in many ways, that's what I like about it. Like it's a, it's a running record. You put it on. It's great. I think the songs are good. Yeah. I think it sounds okay. And there's a uniformity to it that I like that. I think a lot of people don't like it for, but I think that's, that's now my, that's the album I've listened to the most probably right. just because I put it on and thoughtlessly run like a, like a goofball. <laughs> When I'm thinking of my favorite albums, one that I want to put for, like the live anthology is great, but I know that doesn't count because there's some performances on there that I think are superior to the studio versions. Yeah. But if I really had to pick, it would be between Torpedoes and Wildflowers. And I think I'm going to come down on Wildflowers, but that okay. hurts me because it depends on my mood. Yeah, of course. You know, but I think, but here's the thing, like if I was going to put one on Voyager and send it into space, yeah, to interstellar space to see another civilization, I think it would have to be Damn the Torpedoes. Just because of the impact of that record, right? And it changed so many things in rock and roll production as yeah. part of anything else. You know, everyone started, well, how do you make drums sound like that? How do you get this balance? But I always think of those three. I think of that as the Iovine trilogy. And I don't think of Southern Accents as an Iovine album because it really isn't. And he was no. only there for part of it. But but those three records, Damn the Torpedoes, he takes this set of kids who were really still figuring out studio craft and learning how to record an album. And Denny Cordell was so hands off on the second album. So he comes in now, they've got this taskmaster who's really going to make them work. Mm -hmm. So you get this brilliant, fantastic collection of songs that comes out of that. Mm -hmm. Then they take that into hard promises. Okay, well, now we know what's expected. Now we can sort of write a little bit more with that in mind. And so that's where I think we get Long After Dark is now the culmination of that uh -huh. process of learning how to do this. And then it's like that epitome of some of it, I think maybe does sound a little bit samey because they're so good at doing writing songs and recording them. Yeah. Now. Yeah. I think, yeah, man, to think of that as a trilogy is a way I hadn't actually thought about it. And that makes perfect sense. I think that's right. That feels right to me. Yeah. Yeah. What's your favorite? I, I tend to go to wildflowers mostly because that's the one that really, that was when Tom Petty became the genius. You know, because I went back and I, I sort of, you know, because I knew him peripherally and I, I actually got into him mainly through the Wilburys, really, because my dad's a huge Beatles fan and so was okay. I. And so that association, well, he was this Tom Petty guy who's hanging out with Jeff Lynne, Roy Orbison, Dylan, and you know what I mean? Like, a, yeah, yeah. he was this guy. So I got into him and sort of listened. To, but then I went back about, I think it was about seven or eight years ago and thought, well, I'll, I'll do a deep dive. I'll start with the first album and I'll just work my way forward. Of course, get to Damned the Torpedoes. Wow. Hard Promises. I love it. When I got to Wildflowers, that was like my, oh, oh okay. So this guy's not just a rock and roller. He's not just. Uh -huh writing disposable pop songs or it's not any one thing he's got this huge array of things that he can talk about and ways to talk about them so that was always that's the one i usually go to plus it's yeah. a double album so you get you know you get two for the price of one yeah, so. yeah twice as much yeah. okay question two mud crutch or the traveling wilburys no uh, wilburys wilburys yeah easy one for me um there's something that i just don't find myself attracted to about a lot of the mud crutch stuff. Okay. I can't really name it because I've never spent a lot of time trying to think about it. Okay. But I think that the Wilburys was just such a fun little flair of brilliance. Yeah. And I think there are things that are very similar to mud crutch. And I think there's very few things that are similar to Wilburys. And yeah. so always, always Wilburys, but when it comes between those two for me. 
Yeah, that's true. I and mean, I do. Love, I always love the stories about you know the the sitting around the kitchen table and you know Roy Orbison goes to make a cup of tea, and there's just mm-hmm. five guys who have no ego. They're just draw musicians. They're all phenomenally successful. Everyone forgets about Jeff Lynne too. How good Jeff Lynne is. Oh, as, a, as, a, as a songwriter, as a as a musician, as a producer, as at everything, he's just brilliant at everything he does. You know, it's like seventy percent of the time, something comes on some like rock radio station. I'm like, what is that? And it's ELO. Like, <laughs> oh well, God, why have I been sleeping on this? Yeah, that guy could write a riff. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so as you are a guitarist, um, if you could join the Heartbreakers on stage for one song, what would it be? And would you just play guitar, or would you play guitar and sing? Is it fair if I give you two, one for each? Sure. Absolutely. Because right, if I was going to sing one, I would get on the stage and sing The Waiting. Oh, which, oh, God, how good would that feel? <laughs> yeah. You know, so much fun. Such a great, such a perfect song. It's such, a hook. Gonna, it's such a hook, right? Like it's just such yeah, a hook. Yeah. Such, but also just like the verses would be so much fun to sing. Mm-hmm. Um, God, that'd be great. Like that'd be, that'd be narcotic in its effect. Um, <laughs> If I was going to play a song, I would want to do something they don't normally do. It would be straight into darkness, but not, not that they don't do it, but something about straight into darkness that they don't do. Like on the live anthology, in the breakdown between the second and third verse after the chorus, after the after the bridge, there's a moment where they're just kind of vibing. And then Tom himself plays a few little notes. Yeah. Not really a solo, but what I would like to do is during that sort of vibing breakdown, just like trade solos with Mike. Oh, that would be so yeah. fun <laughs> just not like you know not not a battle but just sort of like you know, to play with you know to play it, it's called yeah. playing right and just play with him over that track which they well, don't my- usually do like they don't i don't remember i've never heard him like sort of like let mike campbell go he never he's tasteful so he never goes crazy really yeah but to like just let him off the the leash there and like be off the leash with him during yeah. that part of that song which i think is an incredible song would be a lot of fun and around that chord progression would be great. Yeah, because it is, it's it, again, another one of those underrated gems that if you're not a Tom Petty fan, you probably don't know that song. And it's like, yeah. oh man, it's one of the ones I'd give. It's on a playlist. I'm going to give to someone who doesn't listen to Tom Petty and say, yeah. listen to this. It's on all of those. So it's such a brilliant song. Anyways, yeah. If you were going to, if you're going to do drums, would you be uh, Stan or, or Steve? Oh. Which, which song would you pick? Well, it depends how I have to play like him because I can't play traditional grip. So I can't play like Stan. Uh, but a lot of a lot okay. of those fills become different because right when you the, fill the, you know buddy rich talked yeah. about this for years you know the, the guys who match grip you, you you don't fill the same as someone who's traditional grip so i probably i'd probably go with you know honestly if i could play it and i still can't i still haven't got it down pat but fault lines uh-huh but that okay. steve steve drumline on fault lines is just off the chart brilliant uh-huh. that little bossa nova thing he has on the, uh-huh. the ride bell it's just oh, give me a break come on all right all right that's i never thought about the grip having it's like a mechanical difference on the way you could play it makes total sense yeah that's that's really fascinating. It's the same with Ringo stuff, right? Because Ringo's a lefty; he doesn't lead with the right yeah. hand. So yeah. you have to adjust all those little fills. They're they're awkward. Uh-huh. They're just awkward, you know. So that's really interesting. Yeah. Why did no Why did no one ever tell Ringo you can play left-handed? Just put the <laughs> snare over there and the, and the hat there, and then just play this way. You idiot! Like, <laughs> you send him a letter. He still got a little bit of career left. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure he'd be. Uh, he'd love that, wouldn't he? Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, who would be your dream opening act at a Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers concert? Oh. The band. Okay. And they were all alive. Yeah, and then yeah, Dylan yeah. would come out in the middle. <laughs> and then it'd become a Heartbreakers concert. Then you could have all those crossovers, right? Yeah. Yeah. It'd be like an undulating show. I, yeah, I think that'd be great. 
it's easy just to pick any band and say, I would love to see any band with the Heartbreakers, right? Because yeah. I feel like that there's very few. I mean, there's some play, like, it wouldn't make sense to put like, some, like, Phil Oaks up there. That'd be kind of jarring. But as far as, rock, <laughs> as far as a rock band goes, I feel like anyone could pull it off. But I really think it'd be great to see the band and the Heartbreakers kind of like sharing the stage and some sort of Rolling Thunder review sort of thing. Yeah, I love I love those concepts. Someone, I think someone had said Fleetwood Mac because then you could get Stevie out and you could have oh, that's Mike a great go idea play something too. With Fleet, you know what I mean? Like you could have all those little crossover things. Yeah, that'd so, be a great idea. Yeah. yeah, or Johnny Cash, get Johnny Cash in. I do. So, do you have a favorite band member other than Tom? Yeah, Benmont. Benmont. Yeah, just lovely guy. And even before, like I met him, and like we're not friends. Like we met for talking about the book, and yeah. we had a few Twitter messages afterwards after he told me he read it. But um, yeah, I just think that it's hard to decide impact between Mike and Ben Mont on the on the evolution of the band. But I just have always had a soft spot for Ben Mont's playing. And then once you meet him, he's just a lovely guy. So I think he's probably my favorite non non Tom heartbreaker. It's funny because they're also they really are both musicians. Musicians, yeah. You know what I mean? Like if yeah. you're a keyboard player, you understand how good Ben Montench is. Yeah. And when you hear him, like you know, because you think, oh, he's he's just a, a a rock organ, but man, when you hear him rip out that boogie woogie stuff, oh, I know the stride piano that he can play, it's like, the hell did that come from? And you then know? like he can turn into Nicky Hopkins. I mean, it's just <laughs> it's so dynamic, it's incredible. Yeah. One well, and a student of the craft too, like there's that sense of I think again I was talking to Jeff. He says he's, he's still the guy's in his seventies. He's had the career now. He yeah. still practices. Yeah. Every day. You know what incredible. I mean? So there's that dedication to just keeping getting better and better and better. So yeah, I always appreciate that too. Yeah. Yeah. So if there's a Tom Petty concert from history that you weren't at that you could go to, if you had a time machine, which one did you go back and watch? It's hard. Like, I don't feel like I know a lot of historical Petty concerts, but there's yeah. one I watch on YouTube a lot, which is that Winterland 78 show where he gets pulled into the stage. Yeah. Like, they are 78. I mean, top form, world-class rock and roll band. The yeah. set's pretty good. There's energy. So I would like to be there. But also... I would be interested just for personal reasons because of I've thought about it a lot. It being at some of those LA shows at the Wiltern that were recorded for yeah. back at the foundation. Now there's tracks on that album that weren't recorded there, but the bulk of it is from those shows. Yeah. And I would just, I've thought about those shows a lot and it would be very interesting to see the vibe of those shows. Yeah. And then there's also the show that I think was in North Carolina where he finally said, we don't do this, where he kind of put his foot down about people bringing the battle flag to the yeah. show. And it would be really interesting to be in the room to see how that felt. Just to get the mood of the crowd and see what yeah. the sense of the the tenor of the sort of, yeah, yeah, that would be really yeah. interesting to see that for but sure. Like all the, all the actual shows I saw were late career, right? Probably not yeah. before 2010. So I would love to see one of those high 70 shows would be, would be really incredible. And the one that I watched the most on YouTube is the Winterland show. Yeah, for sure. Okay. Walls Circus or Walls number three? And I used to- I ask... thought this was going to be easy. <laughs> okay. Great. I thought it was going to be easy. I was listening to him a lot today. I'm surprised at this. I'm going to say circus. I okay. thought I was going to say three. And I still prefer the vocal performance on three, which is much more laid back, much yeah. softer. And I used to think I liked the jingle jangle birds vibes from three. Yeah. But today it was circus. I still prefer, I prefer the vocal performance and the vocal layering, the backing vocal that's along with them in the chorus. Yep. On three, but I think that circus is the one that I prefer right now. What do you think? Like this is your Rorschach test. So what yeah. what does it mean about someone when they answer one way or the other about this? I think it mean I think what I've learned is it means that I'm wrong. 
because when I wrote <laughs> when I wrote this question, I assumed everyone would say three because really? to me, well, just because I think that that's the bones of the song. It's like you said, right? Yeah, it is. That's, that's the way Tom wrote it on an acoustic guitar. Yeah. That's what he would have brought into the studio to work up for sure, right? Yeah. So that's when I always I like those performances, and my favorite performance of it is the one the PBS special where he's mm -hmm. got the black the black pole and icon, and he comes mm -hmm. out and says, oh, "Everywhere I look is me," you know, he does that thing, and you've got. Um, Scott uh, Thurston, yeah, the harmonies these things on that version are just absolutely beautiful. But yeah. going back and listening to Circus again, I, so I, I didn't really listen to Circus much. I thought, well, three is superior while we listen to both versions. You go back to listen to Circus and it's just got so much energy and charisma. To, there's, there's so much character to that version it's of it. It's, punch, like, it's punchy. Yeah. Right? And it's got Lindsay Buckingham who can sing a little bit, you know. So. Yeah, yeah, a little bit, a little bit. But yeah, I thought it was going to be, hands down, it was going to be three. Yeah. Like when I saw that you were going to probably ask me about that, I was like, oh, come on. That's that'll take seven seconds. That's and then I started one. to listen to them. But then I had them open on, like, I had one open on YouTube, one open on, like, uh, my music app and just listening to, ver like, song by verse by verse, second by second. Yep. And uh, when it comes down to it, I think that, yeah, I think that Circus is the one that I, right now that I like more. But yeah. again, the vocal performance on, on, on three is, I like the mellowness of it. Yeah. Okay, so what song, if you have one song, what song do you most frequently recommend to people who don't know Tom's music? And I'll couch this a little bit by saying that I think you would struggle to find anyone who doesn't know any Tom Petty music, but if you've got someone who's somewhat indifferent, would you? what deep cut would you give them, maybe? I'm gonna change oh, the deep later. cut, okay. So I'm going to push back against the construction of the question. Okay. You've already addressed part of it, which is how are you going to find someone who doesn't know Tom Petty that you want to be friends with that you even care about? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, the second thing is, I feel like you've got to know what kind of person you're dealing with. There we go. Right. So there's some folks who don't really care about rock and roll that you might want to still have in your life. And there's some <laughs> folks who don't really care about acoustic guitars that you still want to have in your life. Right. So I think that the deep cut changes it a little bit. My initial response would have been for folks who are rock and roll people, like electric guitars, would be American Girl. Yeah. And then on the other side, it would be Free Fallen. Because although I don't love that song a whole lot, it's got the anthemic stuff that I feel is essential to the best petty. Yep. Whereas like I would want to say somewhat kind of say wildflowers, but it doesn't quite have the the anthemic -y roll down the window and scream at passersby moment or sing at passersby <laughs> moment. Deep cuts. One would be straight into darkness. I think the night watchman's really cool. Love that song. Yeah. Love that song. A great story behind that one too. You know, that's another one that's got a really good story, an origin Tell story. story. Well, so he's, Tom was, um, it was at the point where he got big enough where he realized he actually needed security uh -huh. at home. Uh -huh. So he had a security guard outside his house. And so he'd go out at like, you know, one o'clock in the morning, two o'clock in the morning and just kind of chat to this guy. And so it came from those things. Oh, like, I do know the story. Yeah. Which is super cool. Right? And then you get this little, this, again, this, this sketch, this little vignette of this person who's got this job. And, you know, it, it, I don't know, it's super cool. I'm trying to figure out god so like i published that book four years ago at this point and then yeah. there was a period of not listening to petty and so some of my memory is atrophied a little right. bit yeah um but there's a live performance of on the anthology the first live anthology mm -hmm. oh yeah man the live performance of the wild one forever oh there we go yeah yeah now, yeah yeah yeah, yeah. I actually talked to Ben Mon about that song and he said it's not a song they performed a lot because it was hard for him to hit the note a lot. Yep. But on that sort of original live anthology thing, 
it, the performance is in, incredible. And I, I would defy anyone who has any substance to listen to that song and not be affected by it and not become a fan. So yeah. that might actually be the sort of full acid test for if this is someone who's going to be a petty fan. Because it's just, it's such a beautiful performance yeah. of an incredible song. Great. And of the first album. Like, yeah. Think about that. Just some of those songs on that first album. And it, I, I go back to this sometimes with, you know, fans tend not to be, I don't listen to American Girl a ton. Mm-hmm. because I've heard it so many times it's just yeah. there right and it's the same I don't listen to Bohemian Rhapsody very much I don't listen to mm-hmm. Stay Away very much yeah you tend to get in, drift into the deep cuts but when you do go back and listen to American Girl or Breakdown or The Waiting or Refugee it's like that's just a really really well-written song yeah it's you know it's just, like American Girl it's lean there's no there's yeah. no fat on those bones every part you know it's interesting because the drums were mic'd with one overhead like, you mm-hmm. know, that's just a weird way to record drums. So there's all those elements to it that are just very, very clever and very, very cool. And they're easily dismissed just because, well, it's just simple. It's hard to write simple sometimes, you know? Like it's Totally hard to write, write simple. simple. Yeah. Yeah. I, one thing I'll say is like, I don't really put those songs on anymore. I never intentionally play those songs at this yeah. point. But I never, if I'm flipping through the radio and they come on, I never flip past them. Absolutely. Okay. Your last question in this set is describe Tom Petty in three words. And being a writer, this should be easy, right? <laughs> Essential American musician. Beautiful, beautiful. We've got two adjectives. One noun, perfect. So many because I get some people answer that with like a, a phrase or you know three uh, words that actually put together. And then some people just sort of will itemize qualities. So I, always, I do find that one interesting to see how people's brains work sometimes. What you are some of the things to say? But like, what do I? Well, like so, somebody like. Them? Sorry, passionate, creative, authentic. You know, some so some, 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 authentic. And so, right, some of those question, that, right? Okay, go ahead. So, how does authenticity read for a guy that entirely reinvented himself? Right, who goes from being, uh, who put himself forward once he got out to L.A. as a Southern Californian, and then like donned the garb of the Southerner, yeah. and then in reaction to that, went back to being the Southern Californian, right? Which the allegiance to regionalism is interesting. Yeah. Right. The Southern California is also a very distinct region and he became a Southern California guy. Right. Yeah. I feel like to rip off a phrase, like of the title of a book by Lionel Trilling, there's a difference between authenticity and sincerity. And I would find him yeah. more sincere than authentic because I think a lot of the stuff that people think are authentic about him is kind of performative. Okay. I think the identity stuff is they, not the, not the identity within the expression of the music, but the public, yeah, the persona. The persona, yeah, that's the word I was looking for. Thank you. Um, <laughs> I feel like the persona is pretty much just all performative, right? So it's funny that people are always like, he's so he's so authentic. Yeah, that's interesting. That's an interesting way to think about it because I think there's you know there's it, it's sincerity in a in a way, sort of authenticity of intent. Mm. That makes oh, any sense? But wow, sincerity is authenticity of intent. That's incredible. Something along those lines, but because I and I always get a bit frustrated because I know people. I'm a big Foo Fighters fan and I really like Dave uh-huh. Grohl because he's got that same kind of quality where you just, uh-huh. you kind of believe him, right? Yeah. And people say, oh yeah, but that's just a, it's a front he's putting on. It's like, okay, but if it is, at least it's a nice one. At least it's a yes. an empathetic one. At least it's, yeah. a, you know what I mean? It's at least a yeah. humble one. I'd rather that than the, the, the David Lee Roth kind of approach right. to authenticity, right? So yeah, you're authentic. You're authentically a jackass. So. <laughs> I'm gonna be careful to say I've got very good friends who do a Van Halen podcast, and we have the we have the Hagar versus Roth, and we kind of 
make apologies for Gary, but the Hagar versus Roth thing is a you know a good argument to have that. Make apologies for Gary. Sharon? Yeah. Poor guy. <laughs> you know, I mean, look, where's he gonna go from Nuno Bentoncourt? Right. He had to go to he had to go to Eddie Van Halen. That's really the only way up. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I I feel like the debate, the Van Hagar Van Halen debate is gonna be never ending. Of course, and honestly, yeah. I don't feel like I have to pick. I think that they're both super fun. Yeah.